The reading is from Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much, to, too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Could I ask you to begin by picking up the leaflet you were given when you came in, entitled, Joining the Mission? Because that is our theme for this morning. Let's begin by looking at the front cover. That's our vision statement on the front, the one we've had for the last three years, which is to be a thriving, growing church at the heart of the parish, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and serving the community. And recently, as part of our mission action planning, we've added a bit more substance to that vision, which you'll find on the back. So do please turn over, where we say that in three years' time, we would like to be a church known for its outstanding welcome and generous hospitality, where people of all ages and backgrounds are becoming passionate followers of Jesus together, where we all use our God-given gifts in the life and worship of the church, whose lives stimulate others to explore the Christian faith for themselves. And finally, we'd like to be known as surprisingly good news for the community. Well, now if you turn it back over, 
and open just the first flap, you'll see under the heading Mission Action Planning that it's simply about being intentional in our pursuit of the vision we feel God has given us for St. Matthew's. And so we're setting up some new groups to look at moving forward in specific areas that will help us to realize that vision. And finally, if you now open up the whole leaflet and look at the center pages, you will see the six groups and a brief description of their particular focus. And this morning, I would like to ask you to consider becoming part of one of those groups. Well, please put that thought just to one side for a moment as we think about why we celebrate and what we celebrate in particular on Pentecost Sunday, which of course is today, and how that might link to our mission action planning. Hands up anyone here who thinks they've got a tough job. (laughs) Well, quite a few hands going up. Well, I saw one or two teachers there. Well, here's a tough job. Canadian Arctic crab fisherman. This really is a tough job. The air temperature goes down to minus 15 centigrade. The seawater can freeze on your face as it hits you. The giant crabs can pinch your fingers and crush them. I don't know about you, but I would not like that job. Here's another really tough one. How about... David Cameron or Nick Clegg's job. This one is really tough. Here are two men, natural opponents who disagree on key areas of policy, and yet they have to work together. They have to try to work together even though they both think they could do it better if they were left to their own devices. Does that ring any bells for anyone? In fact, that's a challenge for every workplace and even for every church. Because we're all unique people with different ideas of what church or a workplace should look like. And that's one of the reasons why I would like as many people as possible to be involved in what we've come to call the MAP groups, Mission Action Planning groups here at St. Matthew's. You know, there was once a team, a group of disciples, who were given perhaps the hardest job that any group of people has ever been given. They followed a charismatic leader by the name of Jesus of Nazareth for three years. And this team, like any other, was far from perfect. They fell out with each other, particularly over who is higher up in the pecking order. They let their leader down on several occasions. And even after spending three years with Jesus, they still hardly understood what on earth he was really talking about. And in the end, their leader was executed, but came back from the dead and gave them the hardest job description you could ever dream up. And in the first chapter of Acts, we looked at, last Sunday as well, Luke describes the job which he entrusts to them, which is to be witnesses to Jesus Christ, to the very ends of the earth. Matthew's Gospel Words it a little differently, but no less challengingly. Go and make disciples of all nations. That is not a small job description. And on the face of it, they don't really stand a chance. They're not special people. Since they were fishermen and tax collectors and so on, they'd failed to pass out of the top of the class at school to become rabbis. 
So they were sent back to ply the family trade or, or worse, collect taxes for the Roman occupiers. They argued a lot. They were unreliable. So what happened? Well, there's a, a very small, simple word which Luke uses in, in chapters 1 and 2 in the book of Acts. And in particular in the Pentecost account. And it's so unremarkable, it's very easy to overlook. But I think it's key to both the Pentecost event and key to realising our God-given vision for St Matthew's. Anyone guess what that word might be? Well, that word is all. A-L-L, all. Although in some translations it's alternatively translated as every... The word is all. Luke seems to go to great lengths to underscore the inclusiveness, the allness, if you like, of the, the unity of the Pentecost event. Crucially, in Acts 1 verse 14, we read that they were all joined together constantly in prayer. And who were these people who met to pray? Well, Luke lists the surviving 11 apostles, the women, probably the ones mentioned in the Gospels, and Mary, Jesus' mother, Jesus' brothers, and in all about 120 people. And in chapter 2, verse 1, we read that they were all joined together in one place. Presumably the same place, although it might have been the temple. But he describes them being all together. And when the Holy Spirit comes, verse 4, it says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Presumably this means the women as well and Jesus' brothers. The Spirit is all-inclusive. In verse 5, there were Jews from all nations or every nation under heaven. And that means all the different languages they would have spoken. But the Spirit empowers the disciples to speak in all of them. Verse 17, as Paul explains to the crowd that this is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, he says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. And in verse 39... Peter says, repent and be baptised, all of you, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 goes on to say, the promise is for all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. And it goes on. As the church begins to grow, it says, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. And in verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. So I think it's fairly obvious that what Luke is trying to tell us here is that the Pentecost experience is not some individualised, detached, supernatural phenomenon which comes upon a group of unsuspecting individuals. I think what he's trying to get across is the allness, the togetherness, the unity of their prayer, the unity of their mission These are the very conditions into which God's Spirit comes in power. They were united in obedience to Jesus' command to wait in Jerusalem. They were united in prayer. They were united in joining in with what the Spirit was doing. They were united in witnessing to those around them about the good news of Jesus Christ. And what are the effects of this empowering of the Holy Spirit through the unity of the group? 
Well, we never once again hear of the arguing over who's higher up in the pecking order. We never again hear of the disowning of Jesus, as Peter's three denials had been. They become bold witnesses, even going to their deaths, proclaiming the gospel. And the church explodes and grows. And I think, I think there's a fantastic potential here at St. Matthew's in Southcote to see not only the church grow and many more people come to faith, but even to see the community itself transformed as St. Matthew's and the other churches reach out all together with the love of Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, why should I be such an outrageous optimist? Isn't this an impossible task? Well, no, actually. The reason I'm such an optimist is that I so clearly see the transforming power of God's Spirit in many things going on around us. Yesterday, we had our latest Southcote Live meeting. That's the three Southcote churches, the Mission, the Grange and St. Matthew's, coming together to meet, to pray and to discern how we can work together to see God's kingdom come more and more in the community. That unity is itself a sign of God's spirit at work among us. And the way the new community cafe at the Grange, operated by all three churches working together, is now packed out each time it opens. God is blessing that work and that unity. The way that our joint youth outreach, based at the mission called Alive and Kicking, is thriving, and the gospel is being brought to those teenagers in wonderfully creative ways. The way that Kids Church is raising up a new generation of children in Southcote who know about the love of God in Jesus Christ and the way that many of the parents are connecting or reconnecting with church as a result. And the way that God is working in the hearts of those coming along on the Alpha Course. We see people hungry to experience more of God in their lives. The way that several people who've been churchgoers for much of their lives, are describing how their faith is being reignited and coming alive in new ways. One person whose faith really came alive for the first time in her life in the last 12 months is Lisa Telling. Lisa's faith really ignited last year when she was with us at New Wine. And since then, she's come on the Alpha Course and has experienced God's love healing her from past hurts and giving her strength and peace during very challenging times. These are all signs of the Spirit's work in the church. And so, yes, I am very optimistic about seeing our vision realised. And of course, as our new map groups form and come together and work out plans and actions, it will mean that some new things start. And some old things stop, and some other things change. And there are always challenges when we introduce change. And sometimes that means sacrifices. But I doubt that any of us will make the kind of sacrifices that Jesus' first disciples made, or undergo such a radical transformation as they did, although perhaps we should, This is the blueprint. They were all 
join together constantly in prayer. All together in one place. All were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were a diverse group of people unified by the love of God in Jesus Christ. And so my prayer today is that our church family, another diverse group of people united by our faith in Christ, will all get involved. That we will find this unity. That we will have a greater sense than ever before of being together in one place with a common heart and a common purpose. And that through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, many more people in our parish would come to know the grace of God's forgiveness and mercy. His love and the new life he brings in the power of the Pentecost Spirit. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, would you come and presence yourself among us? Would you pour out your love into our hearts? Would you unify us by your love? May we be all together. Amen.